Third Adventure of the Fall of the Nibelungs by Anonymous Translated by Margaret Armour This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Third Adventure How Siegfried Came to Worms Little wrecked Siegfried of Hearts Doll, till that the news reached him of a fair maid of Burgundy, than whom none could wish a fairer. By reason of her, joy befell him, and sorrow. Her beauty was rumoured far and wide, and the fame of her virtues, joined thereto, brought many strangers into Gunther's land. Yet though many wooed her, Kriemhild was firm-minded to wed none. Thereupon Siegmund's son yearned to her with true love. Weighed with him, all other suitors were as wind, for he was meet to be chosen of fair women, and, or long, Kriemhild the high maiden was bold so Siegfried's bride. His kinsmen and his liegemen counselled him to woo a fitting mate, if he meant to love an earnest, whereto Siegfried answered, It shall be Kriemhild, so measureless fair as the maiden of Burgundy, that the greatest emperor, were he minded to wed, were none too good for her. The tidings came to Siegmund's ear. His knights told him Siegfried's intent, and it irked him that his son should woo the royal maiden. To Sieglind, the king's wife, they told it also, and she feared for his life, for she knew Gunther and his men. They would have turned him from his quest. Spake bold Siegfried then, Dearest father mine, either I will think no more on women at all, or I will woo where my heart's desire is. And for all they could say, he changed not his purpose. Then said the king, If thou wilt not yield in this, he faith, I approve thy choice, and will further thee therein as I best can. Nevertheless, Gunther hath many mighty men, were it none other than Hagen, an arrogant and overweening knight. I fear both thou and I must rue that thou goest after this king's daughter. What harm can come thereof? answered Siegfried. What I win not for the friendly asking, I will take by the prowess of my hand. I doubt not, but I shall strip him of both liegemen and lands. But Siegmund said, I am grieved at thy word. If it were heard at the Rhine, thou durst not ride at all into Gunther's country. Both Gunther and Gernot are known to me from aforetime, and by force shall none win the maiden. That have I often heard. But if thou wilt ride thither with warriors, I will summon my friends. They will follow thee nothing loath. Siegfried answered, I will not ride with an army of warriors to the Rhine. It would shame me so to win the maiden by force. I would win her with mine own hand. One of twelve I will forth to Gunther's land, and to this shalt thou help me, my father Siegmund. They gave to his knights cloaks of fur, some grey and some striped. Sieglinde's mother heard it, and sorrowed for her dear son, for fear she might lose him by the hand of Gunther's men. The noble queen wept sore. Siegfried went where she sat, and spake comfortably to her, Weep not, mother, for my sake, for I shall be without scathe among foemen. Help me rather to the journey that I make into Burgundy, that I and my fellows may have raiment beseeming proud knights. For this shalt thou have much thanks. Since thou wilt not be turned, spake Sieglind, I will give to thee, my only child, the best apparel that ever knight did on, and to thy companions for thy journey. Thou shalt receive without stint. The youth bowed before the queen, and said, 
Twelve strong we ride forth, no more. I would have raiment for so many, for I would see with mine eyes how it standeth with Kriemhild. The women sat night and day, nor rested till Siegfried's mantle was ready. For none could dissuade him from his quest. His father let forge for him a coat of mail that might do honour to his land. Bright were the breastplates and the helmet, and the bucklers fair and massy. Now the time was come to ride forth, and all the folk, men and women, made dole, lest they should return never more. The hero bade load the sumpters with the arms and apparel. The horses were goodly, and their equipment of ruddy gold. None had more cause for pride than Siegfried and his knights. He asked leave to set out for Burgundy, and the king and the queen gave it sorrowing. But he spake comfortably to both of them, and said, Weep not for my sake, nor fear aught for my life. The knights were downcast, and the maidens wept. Their hearts told them, I ween, that by reason of this day's doings, many a dear one would lie dead. Needs made they dull, for they were sorrowful. On the seventh morning after this, the fearless band drew towards Worms on the Rhine. Their garments were woven of ruddy gold, and their riding-gear was to match. Smooth paced the horses, deftly managed by Siegfried's bold warriors. Their shields were new, bright, and massy, and their helmets goodly, as Siegfried the hero, and his following, rode into Gunther's country to the court. Never knights were in seemlier trim. Their sword-points clanged on their spurs, and in their hands they bare sharp spears. The one that Siegfried carried was broad two spans or more, of the sort that maketh grim wounds. Gold-hued were their bridles, their poitrels of silk. So they rode through the land. Everywhere the folk marvelled, gazing at them, and Gunther's men ran to meet them. Proud warriors, knights and squires, went towards the strangers, as was meet, and welcomed the guests to the court of their king, taking horse and shield from their hands. They would have put the horses in the stalls, but Siegfried spake in haste, Let our horses stand, for I am minded to depart again speedily, where I may find Gunther, the great king of Burgundy, let whoso knoweth tell me. One answered him that knew. Thou mayest see the king if thou wilt. I saw him amidst of his men in yonder wide hall. Go into him. Thou shalt find there many brave warriors. They told the king that a valiant knight, fair equipped and apparelled, that knew none in Burgundy, was come thither. And the king marvelled where those proud knights in shining harness, where their shields new and massy, might hie from. It irked him that none knew it. Ortwin of Metz, a goodly man of high courage, spake to the king then, Since we know naught thereof, bid to thee Hagen, mine uncle, and show them to him, for he hath knowledge of the mighty men of all lands, and what he knoweth he will tell us. The king summoned Hagen with his vassals, and he drew nigh with proud step, and asked the king his will. Strange knights are come to my court that none knoweth. If thou hast ever seen them afore, tell me thereof truly. That will I, spake Hagen, and went to the window, and looked down on the strangers below. The show of them and their equipment pleased him, but he had not seen them afore in Burgundy. And he said, From wheresoever they be come, they must be princes or princes' envoys. Their horses are good, and wonderly rich their vesture. From whatso quarter they hie, they be seemly men, but for this I vouch that though I never saw Siegfried, 
Yonder knight that goeth so proud is, of a surety, none but he. New adventures he bringeth hither. By this hero's hand fell the brave Nibelungs, Shilbung, and Nibelung, the high princes. Wonders hath he wrought by his prowess. I have heard tell that on a day when he rode alone, he came to a mountain and chanced on a company of brave men that guarded the Nibelung's hoard, whereof he knew naught. The Nibelung men had, at that moment, made an end of bringing it forth from a hole on the hill, and oddly now they are about to share it. Siegfried saw them and marvelled thereat. He drew so close that they were aware of him, and he of them. Whereupon one said, Here cometh Siegfried, the hero of the Netherland. Strange adventure met he amidst of them. Shilbung and Nibelung welcomed him, and with one accord the princely youths asked him to divide the treasure atween them, and begged this so eagerly that he could not say them nay. The tale goeth that he saw there more precious stones than an hundred double wagons had sufficed to carry, and of the red Nibelung gold yet more. This must bold Siegfried divide. In guerdon, therefore, they gave him the sword of the Nibelungs, and were ill paid by Siegfried for the service. He strove vainly to end the task, whereat they were wroth. And when he could not bear it through, the kings, with their men, fell upon him. But with their father's sword, that high Balman, he wrested from them both hoard and land. The princes had twelve champions, stark giants, yet little it bested them. Siegfried slew them wrathfully with his hand, and with Balmung, vanquished seven hundred knights, and many youths there, afraid of the man and his sword, did homage for castles and land. He smote the two kings dead. Then he himself came in scathe by Albric, that would have avenged the death of his masters then and there, till that he felt Siegfried's exceeding might. When the dwarf could not overcome him, they ran like lions to the mountain, where Siegfried won from Albric the cloud-cloak that hight Tarnkapper. Then was Siegfried, the terrible man, master of the horde. They that had dared the combat lay slain, and he bade carry the treasure back whence the Nibelungs had brought it forth. And he made Albric the keeper thereof, after that he had sworn an oath to serve him as his man, and to do all that he commanded him. These are his deeds, said Hagen. Bolder knight there never was. Yet more I might tell of him. With his hand he slew a dragon, and bathed him in its blood, that his skin is as horn, and no weapon can cut him, as hath been proven on him oft times. Let us welcome the young lord, that we come not in his hate. So fair is he of his body, that one may not look unfriendly thereon. With his strength he hath done great deeds. Then spake the great king, Belike thou sayest sooth, Nightly he standeth there as for the onset, He and his warriors with him, We will go down to him and greet him. Thou mayest do that with honour, Answered Hagen, For he is of high birth, Even a great king's son. By Christ there is somewhat in his bearing That showeth he hath ridden hither On no slight matter. The king of the land said, he is right welcome, for I perceive that he is brave and noble, the which shall profit him in Burgundy. Gunther went out to Siegfried. The king and his men gave the strangers courteous welcome, and the valiant man bowed before them because they greeted him so fair. I would know, said the king, whence noble Siegfried cometh, and what he seeketh at Worms by the Rhine. The guest answered him, I will tell thee that readily. 
word hath reached me in the land of my father that here by thee dwell the prowest ever sworn to king i have heard much of these and would know them for this i am come hither thy knightliness also i hear praised and am told that nowhere is a better king so say the folk throughout the land until i have proven it i will not depart hence i also am a king that shall wear a crown and i would have men say of me that the country and the people are rightly mine thereto i pledge both honour and life if thou art valiant as they say i care not whom it liketh or irketh i will take from thee all thou hast land and castles and they shall be mine the king and his men marvelled when they heard this strange saying that he would take their land when the warriors understood it they were wroth wherein have i wronged thee said gunther the knight that i should yield to the might of any man what my father ruled so long with honour we will show thee to thy hurt that we also are brave knights i will abide by my purpose said the doughty man if thou canst not hold thy land in peace i will rule it also what i have in fee if thou overcome shall be thine with thy country be it even as with mine to the one of us twain that overcometh shall the whole belong people and land but hagen and gernot answered him back straightway we desire not said gernot to win new kingdoms at the cost of dead heroes our land is rich and we are the rightful lords the folk desire none better grim and angered stood gunther's kinsmen amidst of them was ortwin of metz who said this bargain pleaseth me little bold siegfried hath challenged thee wrongfully were thou and thy brothers naked and he with the whole king's army at his back i would undertake to show the overweening man he did well to abate his pride whereat the knight of the netherland was wroth and said not such as thou art shall raise a hand against me for i am a great king thou art but a king's man twelve of thy sort could not withstand me then or twin of metz the sister son of hagen of trony cried aloud for his sword it grieved the king that he had kept silent so long but gernot a warrior bold and keen came betwixt them he said to ortwin calm thyself siegfried hath done naught to us that we should not end this matter peaceably i counsel that we take him to friend that were more to our honour then said hagen the stark man it may well irk thy knights that he rideth hither as a foeman better had he refrained my masters had never done the like by him brave siegfried answered if thou like not my words i will show thee here in burgundy the deeds of my hand that i will hinder said gernot and he forbade to his knights their overweening words for they irked him siegfried also thought on the noble maiden wherefore should we fight with thee said gernot though every knight lay dead thereby small were our glory and little thine adventure whereto siegfried king siegmund's son answered why do hagen and ortwin hang back and their friends whereof they have a now in burgundy but these must needs hold their peace as gernot commanded them thou art welcome said uta's son thou and thy comrades that are with thee we will serve thee gladly i and my kinsmen they let pour for them gunther's wine and the host of that land even gunther the king said all that is ours and whatsoever thou mayst with honour desire is thine to share with us body and goods then siegfried was milder of his mood 
What he and his men had with them was seen to. They gave Siegfried's knights good quarters and fair lodging, and they rejoiced to see the stranger in Burgundy. They did him honour many days, more than I can tell. This he won, I trow, by his valour. Few looked on him sourly. The king and his men busied them with sports, and in each undertaking Siegfried still approved him the best. Whether they threw the stone or shot with the shaft, none came near him by reason of his great strength. Held the doughty warrior's tourney before the women, then looked these all with favour on the knight of the Netherland. But as for him, he thought only on his high love. The fair women of the court demanded who the proud stranger was. He is so goodly, they said, and so rich his apparel. And there answered them folk now, It is the king of the Netherland. Whatsoever sport they followed, he was ready. In his heart he bare the beautiful maiden that as yet he had not seen. The witch spake in secret kind words also of him. When the youths tilted in the courtyard, Kriemhild, the high princess, looked down at them from her window. Nor at that time desired she better pastime. Neither had he asked better, had he known that his heart's dear one gazed upon him. The fairest thing on earth had he deemed it to behold her eyes. When he stood there amidst of the heroes in the tilt-yard, as the custom is, to rest at the tourney, so graceful the son of Sieglind bare him that the hearts of many maidens yearned toward him. And oft-times would he think, How shall I attain to behold the noble lady that I have loved long and dearly? She is still a stranger, for this reason I am downcast. When the rich kings rode abroad, it behoved the knights to go with them, wherefore Siegfried also rode forth, the which irked the damsel sore, and likewise for love of her he was heavier now of his cheer. So in a year, I say sooth, he abode by these princes, nor in all that time had once seen his dear one, that afterward brought him so much gladness and dole. End of the Third Adventure